This is our weekly Pasha class. And this week is Pasha's Kitetze. Now, let me tell you something. I actually started to look about next week's class already. Pasha's Kitetze. Um, and what happens in Sefer Dvorim, what happens in the book of Deuteronomy is that there are several Pashas that are packed with mitzvahs, saturated with mitzvahs. We have 613 mitzvahs. A good number of them, I don't know precisely how many, but maybe as many as 150 or 200 are in Devarim alone. And mostly they begin, Akif doesn't really have mitzvahs, and A has mitzvahs, Shoftim has mitzvahs, and Kiseitze has mitzvahs. These three patches are packed with mitzvahs. Every patch will have 20, 30, even more mitzvahs. Kisave has a couple of mitzvahs. And the mitzvah next week at the beginning of the class, I'm going to touch on it as well. And then you have in Hazinu, you have two more mitzvahs. The last two mitzvahs in the Teda are the mitzvah of riding on Sefer Teda and the mitzvah of Hakel, of gathering the people together once in the Shemitah, in the sabbatical. So, Pashat Kiseitze is really the last Pasha, the Chumash, which is packed with mitzvahs. Packed, packed. And you have many, many mitzvahs that never appear anyplace else in the Chumash. Then you have mitzvahs that appear in the four Sfarim, Shmei, Svayikim, Amidbah, that appear here again, based, of course, on the principle which you know that Dvarim, Deuteronomy, is called Mishnah Taira, a repetition of the Taira. Somebody told me, I once saw, looked it up once. Deuteronomy actually translates in Hebrew as repeating. That's what it means. No one knows what Deuteronomy means. It actually means Mishnah Taira. I looked it up in the dictionary. The repetition of the Taira. So there's many, many mitzvahs that appeared earlier that are being repeated. And you also have mitzvahs that have never before appeared in the Chumash that appear here for the first time. And as I was looking, the way I prepared this week's class was I started looking in Hasidus. Which mitzvah Hasidus explains? And I went backwards. So I, start, I opened up the Rechmetzvah This is the secret to how this class was developed. I opened up the None of the mitzvahs in our Pasha are explained. But in the back, there's an index of mitzvahs that are explained in other places. And the only mitzvah in this Pasha that I found was Maike. Maike means the mitzvah that when you build a home with a flat roof, you have to put up a fence. So nobody should fall off the roof. Says, okay, mitzvah is Mike. As it turns out, in Lakota Teda, there's mamish a few lines. Literally, two or three lines on mitzvah is Mike. But you'll see, with Hashem's help, as this class develops, these few lines are not a few lines, these few lines are a world. It's very, very beautiful. So I started to look, and you never run out of material. In Teda, there's no shortage of material. We have one passion, the whole Chumash, that teaches us this mitzvah. As it turns out, it's not one mitzvah. It's two mitzvahs. And the two mitzvahs are especially beautiful with the help of Hasidus and Kisvi Adizal. And especially, especially beautiful with the Lukutatayda. In this case, the deepest, the last thing we're going to learn tonight is going to be not the Rebbe Sichas, but the Lukutatayda. Because what the Alta Rebbe says is apparently even deeper than what it says in the Sichas. Because what it says in the Sichas is based on Kisvi Adizal. And what the Alta Rebbe says is even deeper than that. So this is, this is the story of this class. So let's read Pasuk. Ches. One Pasuk. That's all we're going to read is one Pasuk. Kisiv Nebayi is When or if you will build a new home. V'yasisa Michael and Gecha. You should make a mica, a roof, a fence to your roof. Now, this is just a t- tangential observation, but an important one. One of the confusing things about the Chumash is... That we have tayag mitzvahs, right? We have 630 mitzvahs. 
Many of them are not, des- not described as commandments, described as events. Read those words. When you will build a new home, you will make a fence to your roof. It doesn't say, Ta'aseh Michael Gagacha. You should make a roof to your home. Viasisa, you will make as though, of course, everybody knows you're going to make a roof. In other words, if you wished, you could say, this is not a commandment. This is just a, a state of affairs. People build a home, they put up fences. The fact of the matter is that this is a mitzvah. But as many mitzvahs in the Chumash, in fact, probably a majority of the mitzvahs in the Chumash, are, are written in a form that they're not specifically communicated as a commandment, as an instruction. They're communicated as though this is something that you're going to do. But this is how Teirah Shebeksad HaMikra works. Why is a discussion for a different occasion? Um, but be that as it may, this is how the Teirah describes the mitzvah of Micah. Okay, so let's read the words again. If and when you will build a new home, the Asisa you should make, Micah offense like Agecha to your roof, and you will not place blood in your home, Ki, if or when, the faller will fall, Mimenu, from your roof. One pasni chumash. That's it. There's no place else in the tables. There are any indications that Allah has of Mike. You should just know that Chacham learned from this pasuk all the halachas of sakana, all the halachas, all the dinim about not putting yourself in dangerous places, and uh, not you know all kinds of different dinim. This whole siman of talking about shmidas and nevesh v'aguf. You have to guard and watch your health. It's based in this pasuk. A person has to anticipate dangerous situations. And protect himself against them. Even though we believe in Ashkacha Pratis, and even though we believe that everything that happened comes from the Eibishter, the Eibishter says to us, look out for yourself, look after yourself. Okay? And the source of it is this mitzvah. Number two, there's two mitzvahs in this Pasuk. The first is a mitzvah saseh, it's a positive commandment to put up a fence. And the second is a negative commandment. You should not allow blood to fall in your home. In other words, if you don't put up the fence, you are at risk, chas that someone could get hurt. So it's a love. It's a negative commandment. Thou shalt not allow something dangerous to remain in your home. So in Tayag Mitzvah, there's two mitzvahs in this Pasuk. First is the positive mitzvah, make offense. And the negative mitzvah, don't not make offense. This is called in Halacha, love she'ein bo'imaisa. It's a negative commandment, you don't do anything. Right? What's the negative commandment? Don't allow the home to be without a roof. It's not like don't break something. There's no proactivity. You're not doing anything negative. You're just not doing something positive. So there's two mitzvahs. The positive mitzvah of making a fence and the negative mitzvah of leaving the roof unfenced. But it's called lav she'ein bo'imaisa. It's a negative commandment that you're not doing anything wrong. And therefore there's no punishment. Lav she'ein bo'imaisa in like it. A person gets malchus, gets flogging for doing an aveda. But for not doing a mitzvah or for an aveda of inaction, there's no punishment. You follow what I'm saying? So there's a mitzvah say of putting up a fence, and there's a prohibition of leaving the roof unfenced. Now, how many kashas are there on this pasik? As many as you want. Kishivna, <laughs> you have to build it, but if you buy it. Chadash, a new home, but if it's old, used. Okay? We see some Michael Gechi, you have to make a roof, a fence to your roof. I put blood in my home if I don't put up a fence. Who has the machine to climb up on my roof? Right? When the faller will fall. What does it mean the faller will fall? 
It almost sounds like that the person who's fallen was destined to fall anyway. And if he was destined to fall anyway, it's not my fault. Right? Those are just a few of the questions. I don't know how many I asked, but it was at least five. Right? Kisivnev, you build, and what if you're not building? What if you're purchasing? A new home and a used home, Tagnish, Svidafka new? Yeah. You have to put up a fence. And you know, some of them are first translate. What does the word maike mean? Who ever heard of such a word? Ma'ake. Yeah? Is that in the Sodika? Yeah? So does that word maike a good fentade? You usually say a fence means a geder or a machitza. This word ma'ake appears once in Tanakh, right here. And what does it mean? It means, obviously, it means a fence. But what's wrong with saying vasisa machitza or geder or choyma or kir? There's many words which are classic. The Torah comes up with a new word ma'ake, legagecha to your roof. And then it says, I shouldn't place blood. If you don't put up a fence, it's as though you're placing blood in your home. Why? And then, the faller will fall, the men are from the roof. These are some of our questions, and there are many others. Let's learn Rashi. Okay, let's learn Rashi. Ma'akeh. You see my arrow? You see my arrow? Ma'akeh. Says Rashi. of Lagag. A fence around the roof. Okay, the uncle is tirgem tika. Uncle is translates it as tika. You know what tika means? A, sh- a sheath or a shield. He doesn't translate it as meaning a fence. Um, a-, a sword, right? That's kept in an antic. A-, a-, a sword is kept in a in a whatever the Hebrew word is. Ah, encasement. Right, in in a, in a in a sheath. So he translates ma'akeh from the word. A, that doesn't denote a fence, but a protection. That's how he translates the word ma'ake. To go and tick, like any kind of a, a folder or a box or a fe, or, or a encasement, that guards what's inside of itself. So Rashi translates ma'ake, a fence. Targum says, ma'ake doesn't mean fence, never heard of the word. Geder means fence. Ma'ake means a protection. He translates the word narrowly, in context. Ma'ike means not a wall, but a protective wall. And according to Targum, the word Ma'ike doesn't describe the physical structure. According to Targum, the, the word Ma'ike describes the function of the structure. Not the wall, but what the wall does. It protects. You see? So immediately you've got different interpretations. Next, The faller will fall off the roof. Rashi immediately observes that the word Hanoifel is unnecessary. We should say, Kiyipel Adam Mimenu. Right? Or Shalayipel Mimenu. What is the Hanoifel? Rashi says, now this, this Yipel Hanoifel, we're going to have a bunch of different interpretations, and they're going to be very, distinctions are going to be very subtle. So we're going to have to hold on to our heads. Roy Zalipel. The person who's fallen off the roof was destined to fall off the roof. Because if someone gets hurt, it's Barakapratis. Yipel Hanoifel means the one who has fallen deserves to fall. But let him not fall from your roof. You shouldn't have even the most indirect association with his Misa. Because as the Chazal said, the Lashon, God Almighty effects that merits should be, I'm sorry, Shemagalgal and Schusa, Idei Zakai. That merits are brought out through meritous people. The and liabilities happen 
through liable, through guilty people, and you don't want something negative to happen through you indirectly, even though it's not your fault, and even though that person has it coming to him, because it reflects on you. So that actually translates, if the, someone falls off, they were supposed to fall off, but not from your roof. Because that means indirectly you have liability. There's an interesting halacha that a koyin who was involved in a murder, even if it was totally not his fault, an accident of accidents. You don't have to go to Ali Miklot. You know, if you know the laws of cities of refuge, which we had last week, Chazashalm, a person affects Hebchachayim, uh, uh, death to another person unintentionally, inadvertently. So you have to go to the cities of refuge. So there's three categories. There's Shagi Karav Lamezit. It was an accident, but it was sort of on purpose, what they call in our culture, manslaughter. So the other Mikkel did not kill him. That person's a sitting duck. The city, the refuge, are not going to protect. This Shagi Karav of Oynis. It was an accident, but it was such a remote accident. It was absolutely a freak accident. He doesn't need Ari Mikla. And then this Shagik. It was unintentional, but it wasn't a complete freak accident, and he needs to go to the cities of refuge. You follow? So if a person, a Kayan, is involved in a murder with Mama Shagik Karav of Oynis, it was not his fault at all. It was a complete mistake. He had no intention, he wasn't involved. It just happened. He's not allowed to do him. He's not allowed to do him for the rest of his life. And even time of the base on Mikdash, you can't serve. He's totally innocent. Everybody knows he has no liability whatsoever. But of Chesed, their Inyan is Chesed. The fact that something of this severe nature could have happened and his was involved in the most remote way, it's not good. We're not saying he's a bad person. It's not good. He doesn't belong in the base of Mikdash. So the Pasuk is saying, according to Rashi's interpretation, someone falls off a roof, that person has it coming to him. But it shouldn't fall off yours. So put up a fence. This is Rashi. Okay? Now let's do Ebenezer, page 2. And Ebenezer, for the most part, Ebenezer actually addresses both. First of all, he struggles with the translation of the word Ma'ake. Page 2, I made an arrow, I think, right? Ma'ake. What does the word Ma'ake mean? Never heard this word before, or never heard the word again. What does it mean? So the Ebenezer gives two interpretations. His own, his preferred interpretation is Tame Yadua Mehakum. The root of the word Maike is the word Kum. Now, Kum I think means whey, which is like the residue of cheese, milk. So I don't know what Kum means, okay? But in the parenthesis is Mehamakim. Maike has to do from the space. When you build a home, you should provide, I guess it means a periphery, a fence to the space. So he sees the word ma'ake as being in relationship to the area, a, a periphery around the area, something to this effect. But I, I really don't know what kum means, and he doesn't bring me a pasuk, so I can't even look it up to see what it's related to. And he says, there is no word like this in the whole Tanakh. No place in Tanakh do you have a word that denotes ma'ake the way our pastor uses it as a fence. Rashi brought ma'ake means a fence. The Targum says it means a protection. And uh, the Avanada seems to indicate that it's, so to speak, the end of an area, a, a periphery, a distinction between one space and another. But then he brings a nice pshat, a second one. Other people, not the Avanada himself, but some 
grammarians who preceded Ebenezer, and I don't know who they are, but Ebenezer had all of these books that we don't have. He says, Migzeres okas rosha. The root of the word ma'ake is oka. Oka means oppression. Tzadis. Me'oka, from tzadis. In Zayar you have the term iksa, tzadis, narrowness. But tzad lahem is translated entirely from the word iksa. Problems, difficulties. So ma'ake means me'oka, a protection against something negative occurring. In other words, that the word ma'ake's root is an Aramaic word that denotes Tzadis, and Micah means me'oka, protect yourself against Tzadis. That's how we translate the word. Ve'heve atzmei be'oka, you don't want to bring onto yourself. Heve atzmei be'oka must be a mamechazal, into a difficult situation. And Micah means me'oka, v'sisa me'oka, do something to protect yourself against agony, against something negative. So it's interesting, right? One word, so far we have four different interpretations for the word. Okay, so as long as the title was simple. Then he talks about Kippel Anoifel. The fuller will fall. So Rashi said, what did Rashi say? Kippel Anoifel, the fuller will fall. What did Rashi say? That that person was supposed to fall. But it shouldn't happen in your home because of the idea that if it happens by you, it's a negative reflection on yourself. The Avinez brings two interpretations. Two different ones. And I think I wrote Aleph and Bez, right? Okay, Hanoifel, Aleph, Nikir al Shem Seife. It's a reference to what will occur. Like Vechen Yumas Hames, the dead will die. Um, and, and so forth. In other words, the first interpretation of the Ebenezer's Yipel Hanoifel means when he falls, so you know he was a fallen one. And Yipel Hanoifel, when the one who falls fall, you, you will know in hindsight that he fell off your roof, and you don't want that to happen. In other words, the first interpretation of the Ebenezer says that the word Hanoifel is simply a figure of speech. He doesn't agree with Rashi in his first interpretation. That Yipel Hanoifel, that this person was destined to fall. When he falls, you know he's a faller. You follow? That's what he says. Yipel Hanoifel, when the faller falls, so you know he's the fallen one, he shouldn't fall from your roof. So the, the first interpretation of the Ebenezer, the way I understand it, is... Um, that when he, he's clumsy. Right. He's clumsy or he, he tripped. If somebody falls off your roof, we know he's a faller. You don't want it to happen. So I would propose to you that the first interpretation of the Ebenezer is distinct. It's different than Rashi. It's an accident. It happened. And when he falls, you know that the accident happened. He shouldn't fall off your roof. But the second one, the second interpretation of Ebenezer seems far more in concert with Rashi. Oi, you see my base? Oi, or perhaps. It's words of prophecy. Meaning to say, you build a house. When you build a home, no one's had a chance to fall off the roof. So you put up a fence. Or you forget to put up the fence. And then years later, something can occur which is not the way it's supposed to be. Something not a favorable. See, it happens. So the Tater says, when you built the home, the Yipel HaNoifel, the idea that someone will fall in the future, that possibility has already been created, and you want to prevent it from occurring, and you therefore put up a fence. In other words, the second interpretation of the Ebenezer is closer to Rashi. I don't think it goes as far as Rashi. Rashi says, someone falls off your roof, he's supposed to fall off, but let him fall off somebody else's. The Ebenezer is saying, if someone fell off your roof when you built the home, 
the liability began then. It's like saying, the future is, someone's going to fall. Anticipate, forewarn it now. So the, the first interpretation of Inezre is simple. When somebody falls off the roof, they've fallen. It's grammar, it's just Hebrew. Second one says, no, no, if someone falls from the moment a home was built, that possibility was put into an effect, don't let it happen. Okay? So did Rashi and they have a Nezre. What we want to do right now is Rabbeinu B'chayim. Now I'm going to divide Rabbeinu B'chayim into two parts, okay? First we're going to do the, the Pshat and the Medrish. And later on we're going to go back and do, with Hashem's help and with the mercy of the clock, the Kabbalah of the Rabbeinu B'chayim. But now we're going to do just the beginning, okay? So you see on the right side of the page four, I made... Um, an arrow. What's the simple idea of putting up a fence? Simple. Yazir, the tater is forewarning, anticipating. A person must guard himself against sakana, against danger. A yid is a chiv to protect himself. And of course, the chiddish here is, yeah, it's like the question of going to a doctor. A person got sick. Why did they get sick? Why did they get sick? I mean, why? They wish want to get sick. A person wins the lottery. Why did they win the lottery? What do you mean, why? Hashem wants them to win the lottery. So a person gets sick, who are you to go to a doctor? Abishta made you sick. What do you want to the doctor? Let Abishta take care of you. What the tarets? The Abishta said, go to the doctor. You're not allowed to mess around. How many times did the Rebbe tell Hasidim, who for this reason or that reason were not listening to doctors? So it's the same Abishta said, you have to keep Shabbos and Kosha and Yom Kippur. said, you have to listen to doctors. But this is less of a din. Over here, you're, you're more religious than the Abishta. You have to listen to the din. So for the same reason, the Taylor says, yes, everything is pratis, but you have to protect yourself. It's your job, it's your responsibility. Don't put yourself in dangerous places. Don't permit liability, dangerous situations to be in your environment, in your environment, in your home. Put up a fence. Simple enough. Three lines from the bottom of the page, please. Right side of the page. Yadarach According to the Medrash. And this Medrash is in concert with Rashi, I suppose. You should make a fence to your home. That the faller shouldn't fall off your roof if you don't put up the fence. Translate the This man was destined to fall from the beginning of time, from the six days of creation. Now, is it the same as Rashi or is it different than Rashi? It's clearly similar to Rashi because Rashi says he deserves, right? But Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says he deserves from when? From the time he sinned? Huh? When God created the world, he destined plenty and plenty to fall off a roof. When, he, when God created the world, plenty and plenty hadn't done any Avedis, he didn't even exist. So there is a difference between Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar and Rashi, perhaps. Rashi is saying a person does Avedis, they deserve liability, shouldn't happen on your roof. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, built into the program of creation, there's a sikh of the Rebbe Nechayel which is based on the Rambam, that every event in creation was written into the original program. Every miracle and every good event and challenging event is all written into the original programming. How does free will and reward and punishment come into the scheme? That's homework. <laughs> we'll get the Fajr maybe we'll worry about it. Um, but this is, this is what the Rabbeinu B'chayi says, that this phenomena, that so-and-so has to fall, was written into the script, let him not fall off your roof. 
Now, if, if, if it's written into the script, it has to fall off your roof. I don't know exactly how you're going to fix the script. But you have a heel to do what you can to prevent it from occurring. Okay? Second line from the bottom at the end. The meaning of this medish is, like I told this is based on a medrevuchim, a ramam chelik base, which the Rebbe talks about, lakutasich as chelik vav, in Pashat B'Shalach. Kichol and Abraham Kulam, all creations, nivru b'cheftam, or etainam, were created from the outset with the desire and intent that the Ebishter had for them. Va'akadish baruchu, maybe b'cheftam and means by their own choice. Va'akadish baruchu, idiom, and the Ebishter tells them, bereishis habriya, from the beginning of creation, all that's going to happen to them, and whatever occurrences will happen to them in the future. How long a person lives. And guess what? So far, nobody has outsmarted the Malachim of us. Achman's on a person's demise. How it occurs. And there's Gemaras to this effect as well. And so forth and so on. And the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar brings a, a Gemara to this effect. Please, four lines on the top of the page on the left. This person was destined to fall not from the time that they sinned, but from the time they were created. Still, if you are indirectly involved, if if somebody is indirectly involved, they have some liability, don't let him fall off your roof. His falling off roof is his business. Don't help him. This is what the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says. I would agree with all of your thoughts that you're being generous enough not to ask me. That if, if it was planned from 5,000 years ago, I mean, I'm going to put up a fence, I'm going to help. You have a mitzvah to do what you can to prevent negative events to occur in relationship with your life because though you're totally innocent, totally innocent because it's not your fault. And it was destined to happen to this person. Especially according to what Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is saying now, that it isn't even a, a punishment for a sin. It's just the way this person was destined to pass away. Still, you would carry some liability if it happens in your home. Put up a fence. This is what the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says. Interesting message. But you see how subtle it is? Rashi and the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar are not saying exactly the same thing. There's a difference. Rashi, you could say the person deserves to fall because of sin. The Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says the person deserves to fall. That's written in the original program. And he was given notice ahead of time. This is his destiny. Now I want to do the Al-Sheikh. And the reason I want to do the Al-Sheikh is because the Al-Sheikh says the same thing as the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. Notice that I didn't finish the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. The Al-Sheikh is page 7. And to be sure, to be sure, um, the Al-Sheikh is really more like Rashi than like the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. Because Rabbeinu B'chayah says, In the beginning of time, this person was destined to fall. Rashi, you could read, The person sinned and he has a chas liability that's supposed to have an adverse effect. The Al-Sheikh says the same basic message as Rashi and the Rabbeinu B'chayah, but it's leaning towards Rashi, if I'm understanding it correctly. Okay? Omar. You see what I'm reading? It's the right side of the page. At the bottom. You see where I'm reading? Omar. Halaytzi Visicha. Hashem says to Ayid, I commanded you, 
To be nice to a, a fellow who is your friend. And even to prevent from him, I, I, I'm just supposing that they should say the word Hezek here. You see, I wrote it on the top. Because I don't understand the Hebrew. Believe me, I don't, I don't propose to be an expert. But it seems to me that there's a word missing here. To protect a person from the negative occurring to him. This continues the Alshur. I add even more. Not only should you do good things for non sinners, if there's a person who's a sinner, such a severe sinner that he's called death, you should protect him nevertheless. Don't play God. You want to play God? Do charity. <laughs> A person has to forewarn the safety of a person. Something happens not good. It's a simon that they deserved it. You have to forewarn the safety of a sinner. Okay. Make a fence around your roof. Do not allow blood to be placed in your home. That the fuller falls off your roof. Hanoifel says the Alshech who said lipel bechetay. One who has fallen off your roof in your sin. Not that it was written into the cards from Shaykh Mebreshis. He brought it on to himself through sin. And he's fallen off your I suppose this is closer to Rashi. Although Rashi is a little bit vague. So the word naifal means he's fallen already. You know? In halacha there's a concept called killing a dead man. Killing a dead man, you have no liability. The person who falls was, was already fallen. For all intents and purposes, he already fell off your roof because he's a sinner. Don't let him fall off yours. Let him fall somebody else's. Don't let it happen through you. Because the fact remains, it puts blood into your own home. Okay? You'll say to yourself, if he's destined to fall because he deserves it, was it my concern? What do I care? It's not my problem, it's his problem. Okay? So he goes into a, a, a discussion about later psukim to help enlighten it and to edify it. Okay? Um, and now skip to the last line of the first column. Okay? And he says like this, Kikel Deis Adeshem. The Ebesh is a God of Deis, of multiple awareness. That means to say he doesn't only know that that person is a sinner and deserves punishment. He knows who's premises, whose home will be directly or indirectly involved in the punishment to the sinner. Deus means multi, the way of many things. And when something happens, and there are various com- contributors, there's separate awareness of each of the contributors to that event. So he says like this, knows how it is. The same is true here. Perhaps, the person sinned. And yet, he deserves a punishment. But his sin in and of itself is, so to speak, a borderline. It's not exactly so bad that he deserves death. If the roof belonged to a tzaddik, he's a bad guy, he's to be punished. But if the roof belongs to a tzaddik, he's not such a big rasha that he should fall off a tzaddik's roof. He won't fall. If he finds himself on the roof of a person who has his own issues, his own liability, 
Tishaber, says the Yashik, it will join together. The Tumma, very interesting use of the word. The deficiency, the spiritual lack of focus of this sinner. In Tumas Ishachayev Habalabayas, with whatever lack of spiritual clarity that is the property of the, the homeowner, and it will contribute to completing the, the, the measure of guilt of the guilty person. In other words, someone falls off somebody's roof. It, it's possible, says the Al-Sheikh, that the person whose roof he fell off has sufficient chesodin that he's actually helping the person fall off the roof. Because if it had been in a tzaddik's house, the tzaddik's tzitkis would simply not allow it to occur because he's not that big a sinner. Okay? I'm skipping one line. Nimtesa turns out at the mason that the person whose roof he falls off is also liable. Okay? Shehein ma'at because this sinner was a little bit away from deserving death. That this person was lacking. In other words, he didn't mamish deserve death. Lipel to fall, v'li yizdamim, hushlam Your home, that, so to speak, pushed him over the edge. Nimtes, consequently, It's the combination of the person, the premises, which has the effect that it has. It's a very, very frightening alshech. <laughs> it's very blunt. No, it's a frightening alshech. It's a little uncomfortable. But that's how we translate Yipal HaNoifel. The faller falls. The faller is a faller. But if it falls off your roof, you are involved. So I would say this, in terms of placement. Rashi says, he deserves death. It's his business. We don't want it to happen in your house. Rabbeinu Bechai says, it's not about punishment. This is, this is his script. He's supposed to die if he falls off a roof. Let him not fall off your roof. The altar is in the middle. He's a sinner. But at your home somehow is, so to speak, literally pushing him over the edge. Anyway, bottom line is, it's a good idea to put up a fence around your roof, so, so nothing like this should occur. Now, while we're on this page, let's read the Abarbanel, okay? The Abarbanel, you see what I did? I cut and pasted, I pushed it. And we're going to do only the second half of the Abarbanel, where you have an arrow, you don't have arrows, okay. You have a, you have a, a Roman numeral one and a Roman numeral two, you see it? Okay, okay. The Gemara Masech Shabbos says, This word Hanoifel bothers the Al and the Gemara as well. What does it mean? The faller has fallen. And he says, very He says two things. He brings two interpretations. I'm right here. Same page seven, right there. Right here, right here. He says, Someone so deserved to fall, as Rashi proposed. It shouldn't happen in your home. Liabilities happen through liable people. Bad things happen through bad people. Okay? This suggests that there's an analysis, there's a, a focus on the word the faller. It would have been sufficient to say, A person shouldn't fall through. Why does say a faller is falling? The reason the, the Pasek uses the word The person who's fallen should fall and he shouldn't fall off your roof. says the Abar Benel, and this mitzvah, and this whole concept, is it helps fortify two fundamental and important, the word you call means precious beliefs. 
Number one, emunas, habachira anushis, belief in free will. And emunas, hayadia, halakis, biktais, haafshari, meblish yachrechayim. That means to say, God is fully aware of what's happening in this universe, down to the most remote details. But at the same time, the fact that He knows what's happening in this world is not making it happen. Hashem knows what's happening, and yet we exercise free will. So since people have free will, they can put themselves into a position of Hanoifel, of falling off a roof, right? And at the same time, you should forewarn that the person shouldn't fall off your roof. This, Ababinel, is exactly Rashi. It's exactly what Rashi said. It's not as strong as the Alshech, it's exactly what Rashi said. But he brings a second interpretation. And this second one we haven't had yet. V'yesh mefarshim. You see my Roman numeral 2? A second interpretation. Look at Azay. A totally different shot. Totally different. Ki'ipa l'anei from the The fuller will fall off the roof. Sha'amayk, this is the diametrical opposite to the interpretations we had um, until now. He said that Sha'amayk yoyel, a fence will only benefit. L'misha y'anei from me elov. A person who falls by accident. If a person is destined to fall, because of the divine intervention, you're never going to save him anyway. A whole different interpretation. The person you can protect from falling off your roof is a person who falls by mistake. So the Abarmanel is, is in a totally different place, right? We have essentially three different reads Actually, we have, in, in the Ebenezer, we had two, right? What did the Ebenezer say? The first Ebenezer was very passionate. When he falls, you know, he, he has fallen. The second one was very much like Rashi. But Yippo means the person was destined to fall, the person sinned and therefore deserves to fall. Maybe you're going to, so to speak, complete his measure of sinfulness and effect to fall off the roof. The Bible says, no, 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 no. If a person is supposed to fall off the roof by divine decree, they will. But this, they're going to fall off by mistake. You can prevent that. Put up a fence. Now you all understand how many contradictions there are here. Because, you know, we've got enough of a headache with Ashgacha protest and free will. Now we're <laughs> so involved, less involved, more involved. It's, it's tighter. Right? And if we would sit and study this and try to resolve the Ashgacha protest free will issue, we'd get dizzy and sick and headache. And you know, I'll sit here all night. Okay. But this is sufficient. This is sufficient. This is Ashgacha and Bechira, Ashgacha and Yidiyah, they're all different issues. But you see how many different ways there are to translate the same words in the Chumash. Peitzik is the Chinuch. See, the good thing about learning about a mitzvah is that you can always rely on the Chinuch. Because Chinuch has all 630 mitzvahs. I'm sorry? Right. And for each mitzvah, he gives time mitzvahs. Page six. This is an explanation for the mitzvah putting up a fence. No surprises. There's nothing we're going to read now we haven't read in the other commentaries, but it's a consolidation. It's a, it's a condensing of everything we learned. So it's very appropriate that now that we learned Rashi and Eben Ezra, and by the way, we skipped the Sepurno, and Rabbeinu Bachaye and Alshech, and Ababinel, that all we learned? Yeah? By the way, there's an albag, which I forgot to mention, but that's okay. We have plenty on our plate. Let's, the Chinuch is going to summarize it. Okay? Here we go. 
I made arrows. I hope you can find it. The arrows are in the Yudashi print on the sides. Mishar mitzvah. Amongst the roots of the mitzvah is lefi. Listen to this. Im even though Hakadosh Baruch Hu Mashgiach Hashem is in charge. There is Ashkocha Pratis. Bepratim neyadim in the particulars of people's lives. V'yedei Koma Seim and He knows all of their actions. V'chalashayikir alahem and whatever is going to happen in their lives. Toyveira, good or evil. Bigezeirasayu b'mitzvasei. And what happens in the life of a person is by divine decree, by divine commandment. It's not an accident. Based on their merit or their liability. The Gemara says, A person doesn't bang his pinky. Unless it's been determined in the heavens that he should say, Ouch! Ow! Okay? Nevertheless, Man must guard himself against predictable coincidence. Nuhugi means, if something, you know, you leave a glass at the edge of that shelf on top there, like 50% on, 50% off, chances are one of your grandchildren gives a little kazaske, so don't put it there. Because the Almighty created his world. Ubenoi, and he constructed it. Can you find, yet you're following with me? On the foundation and the pillars of nature. The word hateva is underlined, okay? It's seven lines into the second shtika there. The gozad, and God Almighty declared, that fire should burn, and water should extinguish fire. He also in, in, instituted in nature, hateva, God forbid a huge boulder falls down on somebody's head. Doesn't get a headache. That's not what the words mean, but you get the point. God forbid the person falls from a high roof to the ground. It'll kill him. And the blessed be he. He bestowed on the bodies of humankind. And he blew into the nostrils a spirit of life. Balas das. That's aware. It's not dumb. To guard the body from any accident, right? We're weaker than the animal. We're slower than any animal, right? We're. Everything about us is less than all animals, except for one thing. We can think. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. Because we can think, we can deal with eventualities that are outside of the animal's uh, instinctive preservation mechanisms. And a person under all conditions, they wish to give him a sechel, use it to preserve yourself. Very simple. The Nasan Shneim, God Almighty gave us both, Hanefesh Vegufa, our soul and our body, that the Abishta wants us to be in charge of ourselves. Okay? V'achar and because, Shakel Shibit Guf Adam Leteva, God Almighty subjects the body of man, the human being, to nature. Hashem is smarter than me and Hashem is smarter than you, and He decided we should live within nature. Mitzad Chubal Chaim because they have material, material body. God instructed him to guard himself against accident, against mistakes. Okay, because nature. 
Shu Masr which is given over to the hand um, of the Abishta Yasep Allah will have its natural effect on the human being, Imla Yishmenu, if person will not protect himself. Now, there Allah, it may be true. Yiktas, maybe there'll be certain people, Ashala Malachov to be caught in the Abishta loves them so much. We call them Tzadikim Gemurim Rev, Chasidusam, because they're such big Chasidim. Udveikas, Nafshim, Adrachav, Baruch, when they're attaching us to the ways of God Almighty, that the Ebishter is going to perform miracles for them. Like Hanani, Mishal, Vazariah, like Avraham, Avina, they went into a furnace and they didn't get burnt. But those are unusual personalities. Those are special people. Okay? Um, now, if you can scoot down a bunch of lines... The middle of a line. The line begins with the word Yakidita. One line above the Lezacha, which are underlined. But most people, because they have even the slightest do not merit this great level. And therefore, the instruct us to guard ourselves and our residences and our area. You shouldn't come to our environment. Death, bepshia seinu, in our own negligence. Well, in the sake, seinu, we shouldn't risk our lives. Al smach Say, sure, God's in charge of before miracles. That's not the way God made the world. That's not the way God made us. That's not what God expects of us. This is a mitzvah. Someone who relies on a miracle, the miracle is not performed for him. Okay? And therefore, the Abishta gave us this mitzvah. Now, there is no contradiction between the Chinuch is saying and miracles. There is no contradiction between what the Chinuch is saying and the belief in Ashgach HaPratis. You know why? Because this is a mitzvah. You have to keep Shabbos. And well, if Hashem wants me to keep Shabbos, I'll make sure I rest. No, it's not the way it works. You have to protect yourself is a mitzvah. It's not life. And then in life we serve Hashem. This is serving the Eibishter. And therefore a person has an obligation to uh, preserve and to guard his safety and himself. This is what, this is the Chinuch, which is essentially summarizing, like I said to you, a lot of the other commentaries that we had earlier. Atkan Pshat. So far we did quite a bit and we assessed the Pshat of the Mitzvah of Maike. What we're going to do right now is um, let's first do the Shalom. Shalom's on page 8. And he said, this is already drush. This is already not simple. This is already a medrish. It's very simple, very easy, very sweet, very gishmak. The Shalom's on top of the page. You'll notice that it's a, it's a larger type. I cut and pasted. Vasisa Michael Gagecha, the upper right part of page eight. You should make a fence around your roof. Matasi Remis. Said the I found a hint that Gagugavoya, the roof is higher, which indicates Gaiva Veroimes, it's an indication, Shasikvulagaius. A person must put a fence around their own conceit, their own pompousness. Don't get too carried away with yourself. Vim laugh. And if a person doesn't put up a fence around his own geus, Mishamti and Ifilosi. It's his haughtiness. It's his arrogance. It's his overconfidence which will bring his downfall. As history has taught us over and over again. Let's say a person has a high opinion of himself. You know why? Because he's a great person. If a person has a high opinion of himself, he's a nobody, he's a schnook. But if a person has a high opinion of himself because he's a great person, so he has a gag, 
he's justified in having a roof, a taller ceiling. Says the tailor, do yourself a favor. Put up a fence. Curb your arrogance. Fence it in, because if you don't, as great as you are, your arrogance is going to bring you to a sense of self, which is false, which is artificial, and you'll fall. That's right. Pride goes before the fall. Inshallah, Kaddish. There was a Jew, a Bakr, a big Lamdan, a very, very big Lamdan, who was a very big Balgaiv. I've shared this story with you many times. And his friend used to tell him that he's so, he's so conceited, he's so arrogant in, in the Alta Chassidish Shashbrach. It stink for him. He stunk so bad you couldn't be near him. So his friends told him that he's got to deal with his ego. So he went into the Rebbe. He went to the Rebbe Tichidus. And he complained to the Rebbe that his, he agrees with his friends finally that he's got an issue. And the Rebbe's answer was very brilliant, very Rebbedic, very Deir HaShvidic. They said, Nu, Zohar Zayn Mitvos. That means in English, Nu, whatever you think of yourself, be. Be as big a big shot as you want, but deliver the goods. Whatever you think of yourself, which is even a minutia more than you are, put up a fence. Because that's going to bring your downfall. That's what Allah says. If you, if you deserve to have a gag, Put up a mic here. Because otherwise, you're a great person. And great people have, big people have big, different kinds of tests because they're, they're, they're different. <laughs> big people sometimes find regular people as an obstacle. Oh, there's a bunch of dumbbells. I want to get something done and they're in my way. You know, <laughs> you have to put up a fence. Okay, next, you shouldn't put blood in your home. You should not make a mistake and affect sin in many people. Let's say you're a rov and a paisik and you have to pass in alochas and you make a mistake. Other people follow your mistake. You're liable, you're responsible for everybody who followed your mistake. Do not affect liability in your own home by a carelessness, by a recklessness of how you pass in a halach. So the Shalah doesn't explain the concept of Micah in a technical sense. He explains it in a spiritual sense. So we already had a practical lesson. On the same page you have the Shachalat and he brings two different pshatim. I want to do the second one. Still page 8. Oid Omar. You see what I'm reading? It's near the bottom of the second column. Oid Omar. You'll build a new home. Now remember what I asked you in the beginning of the class. Why does it say you build? What happens if you purchase? And why a new home? What if it's a used home? So he explains it. You're building. Every one of us is in the process of building for us a second home. We live here. And we're building ourselves a new home. A new home means Elam Haba. And when we build our Elam Haba, we should make sure that our Elam Haba is perfect. Because it would be a pity to have an Elam Haba that you fall in. So in this lifetime, in this lifetime, we are building Bayez Chadash, a second home for ourselves in Elam Haba. We should be careful now to build it with a fence that then you shouldn't have a fall. That's how we translate it. Let's read a little bit. Okay. In this lifetime, nothing lasts forever. So it tells us, Kisivna Bayez, you're going to build a home, Chadash, it's new. And I suppose we could translate this, it'll be new forever. It won't age, it won't deteriorate, it won't collapse. It's going on the home of Elam Haba. This is a Rem, it's a Drush on this Pasik. Okay? 
And in this lifetime, when you build a house, it won't necessarily belong to the person who built it. Because a person's deeds can affect his own destruction. And other people will end up benefiting from it. It happens quite frequently. A person builds a house, somebody else moves in. Right? Which is why the Pasek says, He built a home for himself. The home that Yankov Avinu built, nobody else was going to move in. Because it didn't refer to the physical, geographical home in Ilm Hazer, which he built. But the Remez on Miti. It's a hint that I boxed it in to the true home of a person, Shalalim Habo, of the world to come. So the Tehidah says, Kisivne Bayez, he's going to build a home. Chodesh, it's a new one, and it's yours, and nobody can take it from you, because it's talking about the home we built for ourselves, Neil Maba. Build it properly. For all You should not place Domim. Translates the Shach. It's not like building in this home. You have to expend a lot of Domim. Now Domim means blood, right? But Domim also means guilt. Don't don't define your home by how many dollars you spent on it. Kamesha Amr Uzal's the Gemara says, Are miskenes. In Mitzrayim, the Jewish people built fortified cities. Are miskenes. But the word misken means impoverished. Shehein mamaskenes is Baalayan. A person builds a home and they end up broke. <laughs> Don't build a home that you end up absolutely penniless. Top of the third column now. Avalkan. But here we're talking about Bayez Shalelam Abba, the home of the world to come. In Sarach it doesn't cost money, it costs mitzvahs. Like my brother says, it doesn't cost checks, it costs receipts. <laughs> Already been cashed checks. Says the Pasuk, you're building yourself a home for Elam which is really yours, nobody can take it from you. Put up a fence. Make it strong. It shouldn't fall. Which means, says he, a person should not regret the mitzvahs that he did in his lifetime. The Gemara speaks about this. A person lived a life, and then later on they regret how from they were, they regret how much tucker they gave, they regret something about the Yiddishkeit. So the Gemara says that their earlier Yiddishkeit, if you, if you regret, Having been the year that you were, you lose this chus of that Yiddishkeit. You built yourself El Mabah, put up a fence. You should never say, ah, what a pity I was so from. What a pity. Because the home you built for yourself can fall after the fact if we regret having been uh, such a year. That's how he translates the Pasuk. Perhaps it's if the person never lived. Okay, that's enough. That's all. Then he goes into more stuff. You want to read the rest, you will to read it on your own. Okay. Sorry? Have you ever heard that? Under what circumstances would somebody regret that they... There's one answer to all questions of that category. There's one answer to all questions of that category. It's called depression. Marashchere. No? No? No, but we're not talking about Elam Ha'emes. There's a concept in Tehideh 
of a person who later in life says, I shouldn't. I should. Later in life. No, no. Masal Rishenim is later in life. You're right. You, you don't understand it? You, you, you're absolutely correct. But nevertheless, there is such a concept by people who later in life regret. Regret to go to people. Let's say a person in his younger years sits in Lutz And then later on, Hashem has difficulties with Parnassus. He says, Ah, I shouldn't have learned Tayra. Shouldn't do that because there's a schus. There's a schus. And you don't want to regret the schus. A person gave extra stock. And then he says, I shouldn't have given that much stock. Because I feel exploited, I feel taken advantage of, or I don't have enough money. A person did a good thing. Sometimes you do find yourself in a situation where it becomes uh, hard to appreciate yourself. So the Taylor says, you're building yourself a bias chadash, a new home that you're building yourself. Nobody can take it from you. And nobody built it for you. You can't buy this kind of home. Make it strong. Put up a fence. Do never regret good things that a person does. Let us now go back to the Rabbeinu Bechaya, page 4. And I, 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 am, I regret to say that I have to do this quickly because I have so much more to teach. So this will do quickly. On page 4, on the left side of your page, you have Rabbeinu Bechaya. And then of course you'll see that I cut and pasted Rekanti. Rikanti is an old Makubal. Rikanti is about six or seven hundred years old. Rikanti was a little bit after the Rabbeinu Bechaya. And they say exactly the same thing. Mamish, could even be the same words. So I cut it and pasted it so you should see convergence. Sometimes you see divergence, and sometimes you see convergence. Sometimes you see differences, sometimes you see similarities. Five lines at the top of the page. Okay? And whatever Rabbi said, you know, let me give you a head up, a head start. We start off this class by reading the Pasuk. Kisiv Nebayis Chadash. You build a new home. Put up a fence. So I said to you, if you don't build a home, you buy it. And if it's not new, it's used. So the first person to entertain this question was the Shach. That we just learned. Who explained it out You're building yourself a new home in Yedevelt. But in Kabbalah, Kisiv Nebayas Chadash is far, far more rich. Because according to Kabbalah, building a home means creating an edifice for godliness. And an edifice for godliness has a lower level, an upper level, and a high level, till the roof. And in Kabbalah, this goes on the ten sphidus, on the essence sphidus. Okay? In other words, each person in his or her own personal life develops a connectedness to elokus, to godliness, not just in the Avoida model and in the Musar model, the Chakira model, but in the mystical model. We have a connection to godliness. Normally, at the lowest level of godliness, you got to be careful. Because when, the, when there's the precipice, the transition from the lowest level of godliness to the beginning of creation, the beginning of separateness, we got to be careful not to make what's called kitzutz binitiyot, to cut down the trees, to, to, to have some separate godliness from God. The higher levels of godliness are usually safe. This passage says, you're building an edifice of godliness, of sweetness. And you're holding by the roof. 
the highest level. Chochma and Kesed that Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is going to explain. You, got, you have to be careful. You have to put a fence there too. And let's read it now inside. Okay, you're going to build a fence to your roof. The mitzvah before this one was the mitzvah sending away the mother bird. That for reasons that I, I wouldn't even attempt to go anywhere near tonight. We're sitting here an hour and we're not finished. The story with the mother bird and the chicks is aim is bina and the chicks are the midis. And the idea of Shalas Shalas Avis Abanam Tikah was a whole situation with Bina and the seven meters. It's a long story, you can look it up on your own. After we talked about the mother and the chicks, which is Bina and Zah and the Midas, now we start talking about the roof, which is Kesed and Chochma. He sees it as a progression. We're going higher. In 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 the world of Kabbalah itself, he's going higher. And he's saying that Bishalukhakan Habina, Shahiha Aimlashiva Bodim, that Bina is the mother of the seven children Shagadla, which he raised. It becomes necessary here to mention Yir and Chochmah. Yir means Keser. How do I know? Because I know how to read the bottom of the page, the footnotes, okay? Three lines from the bottom of the right column, it says, Chof Ayin means Keser El Yid. That are attached to make the ten spheres whole and perfect. Okay? And he explains, A fence surrounds. Vumakada, it's a higher source. Okay? That Kaddish, who bechachmo, ubetfun, ubedas. Holiness is the three levels of chacham bin and das. Vagaga, porash, ala, bayes, huha chachma. The roof is only chachma. And you have to have a fence. You have to make a fence around the roof, which I suppose he considers. Keser, that you shouldn't make a separation and cut. Enough. I'll tell you what this means briefly. Okay? And if you look in the Rikanti, he says mamish the same thing. Okay? You see the Rikanti? I'm just reading the next shtikele. The same page. You do all the fibshute, it's known the simple translation, Shlenigra Mises HaAdam, we shouldn't affect Chashon the death of a person. Venir Mezoit, the Rikanti was a Mokubo, and the hint is, you're building a divine edifice. You have to make a fence around your roof, the unity of God's great name. With Shechina Suzei goes on Malchus, for those who care. Because, you should not allow blood in the house of God. Those who fall, to cut down the trees. And I'll explain to you what this means. I'll explain to you what this means. Briefly. Basically, he's saying... You're never safe. <laughs> That's what he's saying. You're close to the Ebishter, you're the highest Madagas, you're not safe, you need a fence. That's what he's saying basically. The intricacy, the subtlety here is as follows. For the regulars to my classes, this is very familiar, I've talked about this a thousand times. There are two concepts in Gemara and in Chazal and in Sifri Machshava. The first is called Netias. Netias means trees, plants. And the second is called Nivdalim, separated ones. Those are literal translations. Netias is a Talmudic expression. Netias means trees or plants. Nivdalim means separated ones. Nivdalim goes on Malachim. Netias goes on the Sfidus. Malachim and Sfidus are very different. 
for those who care. Malachim is brio, yitzirem, sidas or atzilas. Malachim are creation, just like you, just like me. Except that they're nivdal. They have no body. According to them, they have no body at all. They're pure soul. But their nivdal also means, on the one hand, nivdal means they're separate from physical reality, but nivdal also means they're separate from God. They're, they're, they're entities, they're creations. The divine sphiris, godliness, the lichtikai, the light of Hashem is called the netias, the plants. They're connected to the Abishta. They're connected to godliness. In the Gemara, we have the famous story. All of you know the story, but you may not have paid attention to the illusion of the four Tanoim who went into the Padis. Remember that story? The four Tanoim went into the, into the garden. But, and the, the, the Arizal has 10 pages on Micah. 10, 20 sides. It's, it's, you have no idea how long it is. Pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. And he brings the Gemara about the four Tanoim. Ben Azai, Ben Zaymer, Abakiva, and Elisha Acher. Elisha Ben Avoyah. So Ben Azai hits it to mace. Ben Azai looked and he died. Ben Zoyma hits it to Nifka. Ben Zoyma looked into the secret society and he became crazy. Rabbi Kiva, Nifnes B'Shalom, V'yotze B'Shalom, he went in in peace and he came out in peace. Elisha ben Avuya, Elisha Acha, the Gemara says, he hits it, he glanced at the Lakus, V'kitzitz B'Netiyas, he started cutting down the trees. This is the Lashna Gemara. And it's the same expression we have here. He saw godliness. What godliness is supposed to do is invite you in. The light of Hashem is supposed to bring you in. Elisha ben Avuya, Elisha Ach was a very smart man. I'm not sure exactly what his problem was, but he had a problem. He looked at godliness, at the light of Hashem. And instead of the light of Hashem inviting him in and bringing him closer to the Abishtir, he made a separation. There's God and godliness, two separate things. God and godliness is a vedazara, is idolatry. That's the Pshat in the Gemara. Kitzitz b'netiz. He started cutting down the trees. He said, the light of God that I'm witnessing is, is like an angel. It's a separate entity. So a Jew, like Elisha Achad, who goes into the secrets of Kabbalah, you go up there. It's a wonderful world. You have to be careful. Nechnas You have to plan when you go in to go in in peace, so that there should be, you should exit in peace. Elisha Achad goes into the world, he tastes godliness, and godliness is supposed to bring him closer to the Eivishter, and he creates two gods, he makes a separation. Normally, Ketetz Benetias takes place at the bottom of the house. Here the Tater says, you built a home till the roof. You've not tasted godliness. You've immersed yourself, you're swimming in godliness. And you've passed by Malchus, you've passed by the Midas, you've passed by the Eimabonim, the mother is hovering over her chicks, and you're holding on the roof, the highest madrega of the binyan of godliness. You still need offense. A person who has not just taste godliness, but a person who has immersed himself and has reached the highest madrega, they're on the precipice, to use fancy language, between Malaklam and Sevevkalam, you need offense too. Because the higher you go, the more perfect and exact things have to be, and you are still vulnerable, chas v'shalem, to make the tiniest mistake and decide that God and godliness are not one of the same thing. That God is not only an expression of the Eibishter, like we discussed this morning in Tanya, but a separate entity, and that's it, even if you've fallen. So the Kabbalistic interpretation of this passage that we're doing at the moment is you've reached the highest level Nobody can say, I'm safe. 
the highest levels of godliness, some of the biggest madrigas of tzaddikim, the highest madrigas of tzaddikim. You're on the roof. You're not at the bottom. You're on the highest madrigas. You are still vulnerable. Kasvishalem, to perhaps make godliness, which is the light of Hashem, into more metzias, more self, then it's permitted, and then you create a cut, and that's the beginning of, of a cascade, of an avalanche, that splits between God and godliness, that's Avedah Zorah. That's Avedah Zorah. This is what, what the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, and the Rikandes is precisely the same thing. Yes, ma'am. You're talking about boundaries, too. I mean, you know, I always heard this as like a physical fence, but the way you're describing it now, it seems to me that a person has to have boundaries in their life. Boundaries, a fence is a boundary. Right. And, and if we're not talking on a physical level, you're also talking on a spiritual level, boundaries. And a person would have a fence, you know. So, yeah. that's what came to my mind. Absolutely. I never thought that before you explained it this way. So, how is it, um, depending on what level you're at, how, how do we know where, where the boundaries lie? The good news is, we're not tzaddikim. We're not Baruch HaKadosh. None of us is going to become crazy, I'd like to believe that, from, from t- tasting godliness. <laughs> from learning Sefi Yitzhida, maybe. But from tasting godliness, I don't think we have that problem. Small people have small problems. And we are very small people. Thank God. But this is, in each one of us, in our own little world, that the Rebbe told us, Asay l'charav. Why do you think he told us to do that? A mashpia. Right? Nobody can be their own judge. We all need help. Now, this is a Kabbalistic interpretation of the mic. Now we have another Kabbalistic interpretation of the mic, which is opposite, not conflicting, but opposite the one we just gave. The one we just gave was this: you built a house, meaning to say you've journeyed up mystical rungs, lower to higher, higher to even higher. You're the highest level. Be careful. Be careful. You're vulnerable. Now we have an opposite interpretation. And it's an interesting thing. This interpretation, the following interpretation, is two places on the Kutasichas. And it's based on a Rambam of all things. On a Nigla and a Rambam. And the essence of it, the core of it, is the Kisvei Arizal. But Arizal is really the... the, the, the Arizal brings out what the Rambam is saying. So we're now going to learn another insight. Which is... <coughs> Which re- the root of it is Kisvei Harizal, but the Rebbe says it in two sikhs, but the Rebbe approaches it beginning with the Rambam. Okay? But we don't have enough time to do the text, so I'm going to give you the oral lecture. Okay? And what I'm telling you now is on page 11 of your text, the left side of the page, actually, I don't know if I made you, page 11, the fourth, the, the column to the left, page 385, the Rebbe says it. And then after that, you have a second sikha with the Rebbe, and in fact, repeats the same issue. And that is as follows. Let's continue the model that we just prescribed. We just gave a model from the Rabbeinu Bechaya and the Nikanti. gave us a Kabbalistic model what it means to build a house. Build a house means to build a Kabbalistic edifice, a mystical edifice. Most of us are down here. Right? We're down here. What does it mean building a home? Building a home means to develop a connection to godliness. How does it work? You build a home from the bottom to the top. Right? What's the top of the home? The roof. The roof. Now, why do you have a roof? 
Why do you have a roof? Why do you have a roof? Huh? Because it's an end. It's an upper end. To use your word, it's a barrier. It's a... What was the word you used before? A boundary. A boundary. So visualize it. The person built a house. He starts the house from the bottom. He builds it to the top. The house is finished. This is the end of my house. It's the top of my house. And then he goes ahead and builds something on top of it. Doesn't make any sense. You built a home. You, you gave yourself an upper limit. This is the top of my home. There's nothing above it. Then you go ahead and you build a fence on top of it. Right? So this is... Let me start with the Rambam. I'll, I'll go back to the Rambam and I'll come back to the Kabbalah. There is a kasha that all the Mepharshim ask on the Rambam. And it's a typical Maimonidean question. It seems insoluble. The Rambam paskins. Anything written in the Torah that advocates protecting yourself against Sakana can't be a mitzvah. Anytime the Torah says, be careful, don't get hurt, it's not a mitzvah. Why? Because you're not hurt yet. The Shmirah, guarding yourself against Hashem, hurting yourself, is not a mitzvah. Then the Dram, same Rambam, in the same Allah, Paskins, that you have a mitzvah, I say, to put up a fence, and to make a brocha, whatever it is, Allah sees Mike, to make a fence. So all the Mepharshim say, I don't understand. You, Rambam, say, that a mitzvah, that's the way Sakana, you can't make a bracha. That's what he's supposed to say. A mitzvah, which is about Sakana, can't make a bracha. Two sentences later, the Rambam says, when you put up a fence, you're making a fence, so that there shouldn't be any Sakana. What are you making a bracha for? Make up your mind. If, it, if this mitzvah is to protect you against Sakana, there shouldn't be a bracha. You understand? And if, it's, if you're making a bracha on the mitzvah, how could it be for Sakana? So the Rebbe says, the mitzvah putting up a fence has two parts. A negative commandment. Don't let someone get hurt in your home. There's no bracha on the negative commandment. And a positive commandment. Put up a fence. In pshat, in pashtas, they're connected. Why should you put up a fence so nobody should get hurt? No, 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 no. Number one, make sure nobody gets hurt. That's a negative commandment. Number two, put up a fence. The fence has nothing to do with people getting hurt. The fence has nothing to do with a separate Indian. You hear? I'll repeat myself. The Eibishti gives us a mitzvah smaika alav. Don't let anybody get hurt. Then he says, put up a fence. Says the Rebbe, the mitzvah of putting up a fence is not so that people shouldn't get hurt. They're separate. There's a prohibition. Don't let people get hurt in your home. Which means, do what it takes. Seal off the door to your roof. People shouldn't go on the roof. No one's going to get hurt. That's issue one. There's a separate mitzvah, putting up a fence. It's not about people not getting hurt. It's about putting up a fence. It has nothing to do with protecting people. And that's what you're making a bracha. The Eibish to give us a mitzvah to put up a fence on our roof, even if there's zero chance for anybody to get hurt because no one goes up there. It's a mitzvah to put up a fence. Now speak to your local rabbi about halacha, by the way. This is not a halacha class. I mean, I mean that seriously. Because I'll be din, if no one goes on the roof, you don't need a fence. But... Nevertheless, the Rebbe says that the Rambam clearly is separating between the two mitzvahs. There's a mitzvah, don't let people get hurt in your home. It's a negative mitzvah. The mitzvah putting up a fence, the fence is a separate issue. What does it mean? 
Now, if the fence is not about protecting people from getting hurt, why do you need a fence? So Api Nigla, the Rebbe doesn't explain. He doesn't tell us the Nigla of it. But he tells us the Hasidus. He tells us the Hasidus. Okay? Listen to this. Listen to this. You build a mystical edifice. A person has a connection to godliness. So he builds, makes a roof. What does the roof say? That in my condition at this juncture, in my condition at this juncture, this is the highest. I can't go higher than this. If I'm going to get any closer, it's going to burn me. It's going to singe me. Your word again? Boundaries. A yid who has a connection to godliness puts up a roof and says, this is my boundary. I can't go above it. In Kabbalistic terms, that's keser. Keser is the top of each world and it's also the bottom of the world above. Which is called Malchus. The bottom of the world above and the top of the world below have what's called a parsa, a screen. This screen protects the world below from getting too much light. It should get less light as opposed to more light. If you bring too much light from Atzilas into Bria, you got a problem, a big problem. Too much light from Bria into Yitzida, that's what the roof is. On top of the roof, you put up a fence. What's the fence for? The fence is even though you put up a roof, and the significance of the roof is to say that in my level, I cannot get more godliness than this. You put up a fence to make it possible that tomorrow, next week, next year, you should get more light. The fence is not protecting you against light. The roof is. The fence is actually creating a garment that's porous. That is all right. The fence is made of straw or little slats. There's holes. The roof is solid. It, it literally, it doesn't let the mystical light through. The fence on top of the roof has the exact opposite intent of the roof itself. The roof is there to say, I can't go higher than this, I can't handle more. Above the roof you put up a fence so that tomorrow, next week, next year, you should be able to make yourself a vessel for greater light. In other words, the screens, the mechitzes, the parsois that exist in spiritual realms, limit, they shouldn't get more light, but they also deliver. They bring you extra light. The Kisvi Arizal says that when you put up a mystical home, you should know there's three types of fences. He's just like this. There's the roof, there's the walls, and there's the fence on top of the roof. That's how he explains it in Kabbalistic language. The roof limits the godliness that comes down. He says the walls let more light come through from above and from outside. The fence, which you put up on top of the roof, the reason you're putting up that fence is not to protect yourself from extra light, it's to make yourself a vehicle to receive more light. It's a whole new fence. You have to protect yourself from falling off the roof. That's one issue. There's a second issue, putting up the fence. Putting up the fence, like Pekabola, has nothing to do with protecting yourself from falling off the roof. It's making yourself a keli to receive greater light. That's right. And the Rebbe explains this. This is Kisvi Ariza. If you mean, you look on page 9, yeah? Just look at this word. The last paragraph on the right side, the last word says, Midoifne, that means a light that comes through the wall. Karkoi means a light that comes through the floor or the ceiling, as it were. Again, I, I'm not going to read the text with you, but he explains that when you're building a, a mystical edifice to bring godliness to yourself, it has to have walls. These walls limit and reveal. So the roof or the ceiling limits the most. The walls limit less. 
The fence above the roof, the whole purpose of that fence is that you should ultimately receive greater light, a higher light. It is so much Kabbalah here, it's very exciting, but you don't have time for any of it. But he says, look at the second line from the bottom of the first column. He says, That's the mystical explanation of this fence. It's not to protect you from falling off the roof. It's to open yourself up to more light. The Dailon, That's why this fence doesn't have to be a solid wall of stone. It could be porous. There's holes in that fence. Because it's a fence. It's not concealing light. It's ultimately conducting greater light. Why do we need this fence? That the light should come through a thin fence. But more light will come through this infants. And the ve'im, yavel, derech, oyseh, hamoseh hakal. It's passing through a thin fence. So there's light that's being revealed as opposed to concealed. But since there's a little bit of a fence, nothing negative will occur. If you would get a higher light with no fence at all, it would be terrible. But you have a porous fence. The perp, in other words, a pi kabola. And the Rebbe says, this is the mocker, this is an amba. That says that there's a mitzvah say to put up a fence and you make a bracha on it. If you're putting up a fence and making a bracha on it, that's proof that this is not for sakona. It's a positive means of making a fence. Because the purpose for this fence is not to protect yourself from falling, it's to open yourself up to new life. Translates the Rebbe in the Sikhs. You live in a house. And you're building a new home. Or a higher home. You're starting on a new level. Put up a fence. The purpose of this fence is to make yourself a keli for an even greater madrege than the madrege you're holding on. And that's why the Tater says, Kisivna, you're building it, because we're talking about a spiritual home, not a physical home. Chodash, a new one, it's a new level, it's a new step, it's a new stage in life. And you put up this fence to bring ultimately greater light into the new home that you're currently building. And the Rebbe, of course, ties it into a couple that gets married. When a couple gets married, they're building a new home, it's a new step in life. So first of all, they're getting involved in the world, so they have to be careful they shouldn't fall spiritually. Second of all, they got to put up a fence. They shouldn't say, well, we're going out into the world, so we're going down a level from the life of a yeshiva bachar or a yeshiva girl. No, 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 no. You're putting up a fence that you should grow even higher than you were in the stage of life that preceded it. The Rebbe Lekut explains this Pasha of Maike based on what says in Kisvayu Ariza. That the fence has nothing to do with the protection. There's two separate nyanas. Make sure no one gets hurt. That's issue one. Put up a fence. The fence is not about people not getting hurt. It's, a, it's an opportunity. It's a step to go to an even higher level. Isn't that gorgeous? The class is not finished. Two more things. First of all, I want to show you this in the Sikha. Just a part of it. Look on page 12. Quickly, 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 quickly. The very bottom of the first column on page 12. This is from Lukut Asichas Chalik Beis. And by the way, whatever we're not reading, I'm expecting you to read on your own. I'm giving you a test next week. <laughs> I, the only reason I'm not going to give you a test is I don't want to mark them. <laughs> page 12. They have to write the test too, but marking this is, is, is mamish. It's, it's, it's the way students get even with teachers. You're putting up a fence and you're making a bracha. Because it's not about sakone, it's about something positive. It's not just protecting something negative. 
explains what is the meaning of the word bracha. Bracha mavrich. You're bringing down a greater light. It's not protection. It's bring. Look and says in other words. I'm shocha. You're bringing down a greater light. Godliness always must go through a contraction. Even when you're revealing godliness, it goes through a contraction. The fence above the roof is not concealing godliness, it's bringing more godliness in through a fence that's transparent. Bring it down to the king and to the world. It connects us to Hashem. To make this fence. In other words, to make a fence ten cubits high on the roof of the world of Bria, which is the bottom of the world of Tzilas, as described in which is copied in this package, I think on page 9. You get it? Now there's another whole sikha, pages 13, 14, 15, which I haven't even touched on. Love yourself enough to learn it. But this is not the end of the class. Okay? Now we go to the Lakuta Teira. And I would propose to you that the Lakuta Teira is Taka Chasidis, not Kabbalah. The Chasidis now starts Chasidis. Chachafil, the Rebbe Sikhis, the Lakuta Teira is Nachar Eicher Eigedain. And it's three Shuras, Sahat and Rai Shuras. The Pasuk says, you build a house. A house, according to Kabbalah, goes on an edifice of, of Sfiris, of Alakus. But the Alter Rebbe is still worried about the word Chodesh. It's a new house. You build a house, it's new. It says the Alter Rebbe, the building of the new house means Tshuva. Yiddishkeit is building a home. What if you broke it? You're putting up a second home. Tshuva. And this, Mother Rabbi Sai, is on page 10. Okay? So I made you one arrow and then three arrows. And I'll have mercy on everybody, okay? The one arrow, the one arrow describes how things are. That the relationship between the Yid and the Ebishta is building a home. But building a home of godliness for a tzaddik. Now, you see the bottom of the page? The bottom of the right column? Ach! Four lines from the end. Four lines from the end. Ach! Right here. We broke our own home down. The God, the edifice that we created is broken. Let's make a new one. That's the plot. Kisivna, you're building it yourself. Because we're talking about a ruchnizdika home. And it's a bayez chadash. The Abish did so kind that not only lets us build a home, he permits us to build a second one after we junked the first one with our own poor choices. To build a new home. But the new home is not like the old one. The old home you build through kavanas and through yechudim. The new home is behind our children. Yom kedolib, mesiras nefesh. Tshuva is unlimited. To build a second home for the Abish. after we've junked the first one requires mesiras nefesh. And then the Teda says, "Vasisa ma'ya, you're about tshuva. It's higher than a tzaddik." And the Abish gives you the opportunity to build a second home for him. Put up a fence. Be careful.
the Baal Tshuva is taken very holy, very close to the Ebishter, he needs a fence. Al derech tshuva sageda. Like the concept of tshuva, putting up a fence, she bechinas shmida, which is the concept of guarding oneself, shalayipa chas v'shalom, the person shouldn't fall. It's only a few words over there, so I didn't bother copying it. The point is, tshuva sageda means, tshuva means to promise not to sin anymore. Tshuva sageda means to promise not to sin anymore and to do something to protect myself from sinning. Putting up a fence. A chuva is very pa- is very passionate, very emotional, right? But the emotions pass. We preserve the chuva with fences. The inspiration of chuva is very strong. The longevity of chuva is the fence we put up to protect ourselves against falling back into the old patterns. You sit in the bias you're building a new home. And the Abish gives an opportunity to build a second home. One home was not enough. He lets us build a second home. Vasisa Maike. Yeah. You're about tshuva, put up a fence. Protect. Remember that the inspiration of tshuva, which is so powerful, is not going to be forever. You need a fence, so you shouldn't have to fall back where you were. Okay?